This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. I turned the volume just as you coughed as well. So it was like right in my ear. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, mate. Good evening, good morning, all the rest of the times of day. Welcome to the Game Time Podcast. This is the preview episode for this weekend. What a weekend it's going to be. It's me and Ryan again, just the two of us. Are you going to sing the rest of the song? I'm, I'm going to avoid doing that, if that's okay. I really okay. don't want to. That's fine. How are you? Um, yeah, good, mate. Thank you. Apart from, like I say, the enforced singing, because it's not <laughs> fucking the sound of music. So... <laughs> Oh, Sound of Music. One one of the only musicals I didn't actually mind watching. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> right on track, straight away. <laughs> Unnecessary off-piece to start things off. Uh, let, let's try and keep it on-piece. Sorry for completely taking Welcome it. To football. <laughs> yeah, let's go and talk about football. Uh, let, let's start with what I'd imagine will be quite an interesting game. I, I said to you off-air that I wouldn't have pegged this one to be a relegation scrap at any point of the season, to be honest, let alone this early on. But Wolves versus Watford, 20th place Watford versus 19th place Wolves. What, what do you make of this game? Because they're, they're two teams that have been in odd form. And I, I think I predicted Wolves to finish fifth this season, so that's not looking too good. No, you, re- you really need them to turn that corner <laughs> soon. <laughs> Get dumped out of the Europa League. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's probably more likely, actually, the way they're playing. Um, Yeah, interesting game. I think that both teams um, are going to sort of go into the game with not much confidence in the bank, really. Especially, uh, obviously, like Watford getting um, their asses handed to them the other day against Man City, um, which is not good for their self-confidence. And obviously, Wolves as well, they've not exactly covered themselves in glory. They've got a fairly significant beating from Chelsea. Um, I do think it's going to be, like I say, a game of low quality, low sort of quality of chances as well. So I can see it being like a, a low scoring draw, personally, um, mainly because both teams just need that sort of maybe a bit of luck to win games rather than relying on sort of like individual bits of quality at the moment. So, um, yeah, I think we're heading for a, a low scoring draw on that one. Um, what do you think, Danny? Especially because, like you, say, uh, you said earlier, the fact that you predicted high things or sort of like, um, good things for Wolves this year. So what do you think they will need to do in order to get over the line on Saturday? To be fair, I think you you hit the nail on the head. I think they just need to mix it up a little bit. I mean, I, I saw on well, midweek, obviously, they beat um, Reading in the Carabao Cup, but they beat them on penalties and they're playing a championship side there. And no disrespect to Reading at all. Like They're having a decent season, but they're not this like, uber strong championship side where you need to Wolves need to still play the same sort of five at the back system and I just thought they'd maybe mix it up a little bit because I think like you said it's getting a bit stagnant for them in terms of creating chance like last year they were so good those wing backs were just creating chances for fun but they they don't seem to have done that as much this season 
Europa League hangover that could be involved. I mean, they're, they're going to have to play a lot more games, and I'm not sure if the squad depth is is there. But I think they're just going to have to change things up. They, they bought Cotrone in from AC Milan, and I think he scored against Chelsea, and or either against Chelsea or in midweek. I can't remember which one, but you feel like they're just going to have to mix it up to get him, Jota, and Jimenez all involved somehow. And Adama Traore is having a decent season, but I, I think bang on, it's going to be a low-scoring draw. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's nil-nil because after being absolutely demolished 8-0, I reckon Kike Sanchez-Flores is just going to select 11 defenders. Just not even <laughs> not even bother with Ben Foster. Gave away a penalty. Just, it's like, get out. Just double down on the uh, on the loss. Sort of go really shut up shop. <laughs> just like, we're not conceding and we're not scoring. We're just going to get a nice draw. I saw, uh, I, I feel bad for, for Watford fans, of course, after that, that absolute 8-0 thrashing. Uh, but I I saw someone tweet, it was when it was like 5-0 after like 18 minutes, someone just tweeted, can a manager be sacked in the middle of a game? I mean, if, if it's ever going to happen, it will probably be there. Although I will maintain that I think I remember Martin Yol getting sacked at half-time in a Spurs game. I seem to remember <laughs> that happening in like a UEFA Cup game. He They were losing and then basically it got leaked that he was being sacked at the end of the game anyway. <laughs> So I seem to remember that happening. But yeah, if it was ever going to happen in the Prem, it would definitely would have happened um, last last week. But yeah, because that was just carnage. And it, even more carnage for, from my perspective, because I missed the first 15, 20 minutes or so <laughs> of the three o'clock games. So like, I was just, I, I can't remember what I was doing, actually. I think I was just sorting something out in the kitchen or whatever. And then I sort of like put final score on as it was on FIFA. So I was on FIFA and then I put final score on and then all of a sudden it was like, because they have the scores at the bottom, it's just like 4-0. And I was like, what the fuck has happened? <laughs> and then they just scored the fifth as well. Just I put it, put it on. So it was like, they just clearly can't be trying. <laughs> it was, you know, it was a massacre. I, I watched mm. the, uh, I watched the highlights in the end. It could have been 12 or 13 if, um, yeah, genuinely it was a, yeah, it was not fun. So yeah, I'm, I'm predicting, um, I'm going for a nil-nil draw in this one, to be honest. I don't think anyone's going to score. I think maybe one all, but then the irony is, like, the only time I've really watched Watford, as in, like, properly watched them in a game when it's been on Sky and stuff, was the Arsenal game. And I thought the the second half of the Arsenal game, they looked really, really good. Mm. But they obviously got back from 2-0 down, which is an achievement in itself. Um, yeah, so it's a bit weird, really. Like, the fact that they went from that, which was a pretty battling sort of two-all draw, good result for Flores in his first game back and then go from that to the 8-0 loss last week. It's just a bit bizarre. And as for Wolves, like I said, they seem to just be maybe um, relying on just getting through at the minute. Maybe it's just the stamina that they've got at the minute because they, they, they've they started the season so early. And um, I think they are in for a sort of a Burnley-ish season in terms of like they probably will sort themselves out around Christmas. I can't see... Um, than being in real trouble in terms of relegation. But it's just more of a case of just sorting themselves out, like I say, and, and making sure they get enough points on the board already because it can be a, a gruelling season if you're in Europe, even if you don't qualify like it happened with Burnley last year. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. I think it will be low scoring, like I say, though. I'm not expecting it to be the game of the weekend. Last on match of the day, that is what we're predicting. Um, I mean, speaking of match of the day, I just remi- remembered when, uh, was it, Poyet got sacked on match of the day. That's got to be what well, I don't. You don't like to see anyone sacked, but that's got to be up there with, with ways to sack a manager live on match of the day. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I say, and that's um, that's peak Sunderland as well. That <laughs> in terms of like that was just anything that could go wrong did go wrong. <laughs> I'm surprised that wasn't on the documentary somehow. Wait, that's because the documentary was filmed about approximately four years after Paul Poyet left the club. 
<laughs> Should have got it in there. Should have got it in there somehow. Um, weasel it in. <laughs> just weaseled it in post credits. Just like remember, Throwback Thursday. Remember, remember when we sacked him at, uh, during the Burnley against Palace game. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, let's uh, let's move it on to to a game again. Another surprise. I've gone for surprising games. Spurs versus Southampton probably wouldn't jump out as a game that Spurs have to win. You'd just be expecting them to win. But after what's happened in the recent weeks, is has this taken on a completely new agenda? Um, I personally don't think so, no. And I know that there's going to be some relatively hostile comments and stuff made if we don't win on Saturday. But I don't think that there's as much of a crisis going on that there is um, that people are making out to be, put it that way, at Tottenham at the minute. I know maybe I'm coming at it from a different point of view to most mm. people because they're sort of seeing the results and stuff. But from what I've, I've I watched the Leicester game last weekend, um, I was supposed to go, but unfortunately I, I couldn't, couldn't get there because uh, the tickets were not sorted. But um, yeah, it's one of those games where we played quite well. Leicester obviously came at us because they're a good team as well. And I think it was one of those games where any rational person that watched it would come away with two conclusions, which were one, if that second goal would have counted, we'd have probably ended up winning because that would have probably killed the game off. And two, it was one of those games where it probably would have ended a draw were it not for the intervention of VAR. Because there's pro- probably going to... Obviously, Leicester had the goal ruled out for VAR, but that was like a... a like, it's one of them ones where I saw it and I knew it was going to get ruled out straight away. So like, I didn't even get, I didn't even get worked up about it because I, I saw it and I thought he's got to be offside. So I was like, oh, they're going to chalk that off. So I, was, I wasn't, I wasn't even getting too annoyed that Leicester had scored really because I knew that it was going to get thingy. But the fact that the, like I say, the second Spurs goal was so close and it was one of those ones where it's, I mean, they've already had debates about it, like oh, can VAR be that accurate and all that? But um, I do think main, like maintain we are playing well. Um, compared to other teams maybe that are, that have got genuine problems that are going for Europe. Um, mainly, probably Man United and Chelsea. I do think they've, compared to us three, like us three as a, as a sort of group, I think Tottenham are in probably the best position in terms of like, we are still playing okay football. Yeah. Whereas like, as we'll probably talk about later with Man United, like they genuinely seem out of ideas a lot of the time and Chelsea are still transitioning. But um, yeah, I think... We will have enough to beat Southampton on Saturday. I don't think Southampton, again, even though they won, had a big win in the Portsmouth uh, game midweek, I don't think they are at the level they should be at at the minute. It's a bit like Watford as well. They've definitely got more to give. But I think all being well, we should have enough to beat them. If we play like we did against Leicester, that will probably do it for us there and maybe just get a couple of goals, a bit like the Palace game, get a couple of goals early. And that'll probably do it, really. But, yeah, interesting to see what your take is on it, Danny. What do you think about the Tottenham scenario at the moment? I mean, looking at it from from a completely outside perspective and, and a completely neutral one, I'm, I'm not taking sides on it. it. It looks like, especially what Poch said, in the um after the loss to Colchester, and I know it's Carabao Cup, and he's probably not going to care too much about it. But but the line he said about well, there's different agendas in the squad, and we need to have like one agenda. That seems like a really like sly and subtle way of just going. Uh, some players are thinking about other things other than working as a collective unit to to win, and I wonder if that's also maybe a dig. I don't I don't know if it's aimed at anyone specifically. 
But it could be a dig to say, you know what, over the last few years, I haven't maybe got the players that I wanted in. I don't know if that, if you, mm-hmm. if you agree with that or anything, but I just think it looks like you've been unfortunate. Los Celso, who you brought in, is injured. Dembele is, sorry, Undombele has been in and out of the team. He's looked okay when he's played. I wonder if maybe just you've had basically the same squad for so long now that they're kind of just a bit tired. I think there's a, probably a more broader argument in terms of the players we have and the players that served us so well over the last four or five years are all just naturally getting older. Mm-hmm. I feel like they, we've touched on this before. I think the idea of like players come becoming towards the end of their sort of like cycle of usefulness for like top teams. And I feel like a lot of our players now are just coming to that stage, but they're all coming at the same time. Like yeah. you've got like obviously people like Vertonghen and Alderweireld going into their thirties. By no means mean uh, it should mean that we sort of get rid of them, but also it means that we can't really be demanding the same levels of performance maybe from 2017, 2016 because it's not possible because they're getting older and they just naturally can't hack it anymore. And like I say, someone like, for example, um, Ericsson as well, or Larice, like they're, they're sort of getting on, on older a bit, Danny Rose as well. I think in terms of the agenda thing, I think that was more aimed at um, the players that maybe could have left in the summer, but didn't. Mm. So obviously we were sort of trying to flog Danny Rose to Watford on deadline day. And we were trying to get rid of Ericsson. Obviously that was quite well publicized. Um, I don't know, really. I, I think it's more of a case of, like, I think he just wanted certain players out to rebuild and then they didn't go and then they were sort of clogging up the squad towards the end of the transfer window. And then, obviously, now he's got basically a few months left where he's got to work with them again. So maybe people like Ericsson, etc., who were planning on leaving but didn't get the move they wanted. So I think, yeah, like, like you said about the Carabao Cup, I genuinely wasn't that fussed about that because, first of all, we made 10 changes. So therefore the fact that we were expecting any sort of performance would have been a bit of a joke because they're all fringe players or youth players. So you can't expect them to all gel in one game. True. And secondly, as was, has proven with the games in the midweek, like you get to 90 minutes now and it's straight penalties. So all teams really have to do low league teams. And again, is which is their right to do. All they have to do is just get a nil, nil draw for 90 minutes. And then who knows what happens in penalties. Like, for example, the look at the Rochdale game, like that could have gone the other way as well. Rochdale could have beat United or like you said about Wolves-Reading earlier, like Reading could have beat Wolves. But it's just one of the things where like um, I wasn't too first. Colchester never causes major problems. So that's, it's not like we were sort of like getting hammered. It was more of a case of just like, OK, we didn't score and then we lost unluckily on Pence. So, but then people are then using that to further this idea that there's some sort of, I don't know, some sort of issue, deep-rooted issue. But um, yeah, I think... We win. We've got some kind fixtures going into October, apart from last weekend where we go to Anfield. So if we win the next two or three games, I think we've got Southampton at home, Brighton away, and then Sheffield United at home. I think that's right. I think I'm right in saying that. Um, so they're three games that we should be winning if we've got any chance of getting into the European spots. So you win those three games, all of a sudden everyone's back on the bus again, sort of thing. So I'm not too, like I say, too concerned myself. Ruff Hassenhutl will probably be thinking this is probably the best time to play you, though. And the fact that, yeah. I think, as you mentioned as well, um, they had a very good result beating Portsmouth 4-0. I, I know Portsmouth are not a side that should trouble them, but it's still South Coast Derby. They're very big rivals, despite the the gap in, in where they are in the leagues. But I think they'll be up for it. I, I really I don't yeah. know what 
I think they'll be proper up for it. And I think I think Spurs will probably still just edge it, but I think it will be a lot closer than than many people think. I think it'll only be decided by a goal. I think, yeah, I, and and if, but if anything, I think if Southampton are up for it and do come out and give us a bit of a game, that would actually play into our hands a bit more because that then leads us into sort of the idea of a bit like with um, what happened against Palace. We scored so early that basically Palace had to come out and play against us. They couldn't just sit there and hope for the 0-0 draw, um, which I'll talk about again. There's nothing wrong with that, and that's not an issue, but it's just more of a case of like, if we score early, that means Southampton have to come out and sort of play us, which will be beneficial to the game as a spectacle for the neutral. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I think it will be probably close. But again, that Southampton-Portsmouth game, like Portsmouth, I thought, considering they're in League One, they gave them a really good game. They were probably the better team first 20 minutes. And then Danny Ings went and scored and it sort of changed the whole momentum of the game. So... Yeah, that could have gone, like I said, I know they were comfortable winners in the end, but um, that was, yeah, sort of maybe, they're not, like I said, they're not the finished article. I think Hasenhut realised that it's himself as well. Yeah, it'll be a, an interesting game, to say the least, um, at White Hart Lane. We'll see how that one turns out. Another interesting game, and our final one, it's, it's the Monday Night Football. Uh, I've written down here in the running order, Arsenal versus Manchester United. Is there a way that both sides can lose this match? Because I feel like that's a very distinct possibility with the way they both play I feel like it's a very distinct possibility that they're going to lose at least part of the match in terms of they'll just make a complete fuck up of something there's definitely <laughs> a potential here for both teams to have an absolute nightmare and then still come out looking good compared to the other one um, <laughs> like I say there could be like a Xhaka two foot in someone in the fifth minute and then Phil Jones knocking one in his own net five minutes later That's, it's got potential for banter this game definitely Oh, 100%. Well, Granit Jack has just been, I say just been, today has been named uh, permanent captain of Arsenal. So you could see him celebrating with a with a cheeky two-footer on, on someone in Man United's midfield. I don't know who oh, that player is going to yeah. be with all the injury problems. but Yeah, I was going to say, it would probably just be some 17-year-old bloke anyway, because they've got no one else to play there. So it doesn't <laughs> actually matter. <laughs> um, one, yeah, one thing I would say in terms of the last weekend... Um, I just could not get over how bad Man United were against West Ham. Mm. Like it was genuinely like it was, it was not. I was surprised, but also then I was thinking, well, actually, what was I expecting? It was so yeah. bad, so bad. I mean, like I don't know what you, what your opinions are. It's obviously from watching it live when you were there. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Um, I to be honest, there aren't many words to describe just the just the pure they didn't look like they wanted to be on a football pitch. It, at no point did United in that first half ever look like they wanted to actually play football. And then Yarmolenko scored with like a minute to go till half time, And I thought, that's game over. United aren't going to find a way back. Mata got a very good chance that, that he put wide on the stretch. And then from then on, United didn't really do anything. I think Scott McTominay again, and it's becoming a feature, was United's best player. But when you have just no ability to change a game from the bench, what, what can you do when you're 1-0 down? You're 1-0 down, your 21-year-old striker, who is your starting striker, pulls up injured, and you bring on Jesse Lingard. <laughs> that, that, that does not strike fear into anyone. Rochdale came to Old Trafford and played like a team who just did not care. and took Manchester United to penalties. And that that's saying something, the way the club is at the moment. 
Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, I mean, like I say, it's it's difficult to see them winning a game when they don't have to play on the counter attack in the near mm. future. I, yeah, all right, they've got injuries, but then who hasn't? I would argue <laughs> that, yeah. that idea of like sort of like you can get in, you very easily get into a pissing contest with people about um, sort of like how many injuries so and so's got or how how much misfortune so a, a certain club's had. I do think it's a case of they just still haven't found a way to attack with any sort of pace that yeah. would actually get or any sort of tempo that would actually break down any team that realistically is just denying them sort of space to create anything. So yeah. like I say, West Ham, West Ham weren't exactly the most, they didn't do anything revolutionary in terms of defending. They just sort of basically pushed United out wide and then made them cross the ball. And that's not really the most, like I say, it's not, it's in probably in rule one or two of the defensive rule book, but it worked. And like I say, after um, however many minutes, 85 minutes, and then they get that free kick, West Ham. I mean, they will always look quite dangerous going on the break as well. So yeah, it's a bit of a, bit of a weird one at the minute. I, I do think in terms of the game, the Arsenal game, the Arsenal United game, um, this has potential again to be a draw or maybe an Arsenal win. It's it's very rare that, and I think I told I talked to this about my friends from home before the United Leicester game. It's very rare to see games these days where you're going into them as a, a neutral or trying to maybe pick some um, value in like the betting markets, and you're having to think of Man United as not the favourites on their own uh, on their own ground. And it's very bizarre, like being someone that's brought been brought up when they were just really good. And now you've got this idea that actually they're playing teams like Leicester or Arsenal, although Arsenal are a decent team. Like, and it's like actually they're not the favourites, and yeah. it's very weird. I mean, it must be sort of discombobulating for you, but it's very strange from me, from my point of view. I don't think I've ever recovered from the two-two draw with West Brom at Old Trafford in what 2013. That that hurt a lot, <laughs> and I don't think I've ever really got back from that. To be honest. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird one. And I was going to say, United looked toothless in attack against West Ham, but with no Martial, it's looking like no Rashford. I don't even think toothless is a word to describe that United attack now, because it will most likely be Dan James and Jeff yeah. Lingard playing up front, because I don't think Solskjaer wants to start Mason Greenwood. I don't think he wants to put that pressure on him. But from a Manchester United perspective, it's not looking good. From an Arsenal prospect, though, it's looking... Very tasty. I know last week they struggled against Aston Villa, but they came mm. out with with a win with 10 men. Kieran Turney got some minutes in the League Cup when they absolutely thrashed Nottingham Forest. Aubameyang scoring goals for fun. Is this a chance for, for Unai Emery and Arsenal to make a real stamp and just absolutely put one in on Manchester United? I think so, yeah. I mean, looking at the, the games I've seen of the sort of like the so-called big six, from this season, I think City and Liverpool are a step ahead of everyone else, as it was last year. I think, even though they've been inconsistent, Arsenal are probably at the minute the third best team in terms of like the way they play and like the results they're getting at the minute. They just seem to be getting those key results. Like I say, being two 0 down against Spurs and getting a draw, and then being two one and one 0 down against Villa and then still winning. They are seeming to sort of fall on the right side of these results. And then I feel like there's a bit of a scrap between United, Arsenal, uh, United, Chelsea and Spurs for sort of like fourth or sixth. Um, so I think if it's ever going to happen, it will happen this weekend. But this is one of those games where I just keep thinking like, 
with Solskjaer being so against, like back against the wall, maybe there's going to be one of those like what sort of referred to sometimes like a classic Old Trafford performance when they somehow win. A bit like when Ferguson always used to do it, you know, when he used to have to play like parking goal and then like O'Shea <laughs> up front and then all of a sudden he'd just still win games. I think there's, there is that this game has got a bit of a whiff about it because that's one thing missing from sort of Arsenal's um, Arsenal's sort of bid to be a, a top four team again is they haven't gone away to an, a, a direct rival and won for a long, long time. Um, yeah. Because they they like I said they seem to do well at home. They beat um, they got good results last year against Liverpool at the Emirates, Arsenal and Chelsea at the Emirates and Tottenham. But they can't seem to win away. So this is potentially another thing. Maybe it's just a bit of a, a psychological thing for them, and maybe United will manage to uh, get a draw or maybe even sneak a win if if Arsenal don't approach it as like you say they need to go from the start on the front foot because they will be rewarded for that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent and. It much like you said in the uh, in the Spurs Southampton game. I think the first goal here is key. If Arsenal get the first goal and it forces Manchester United to push forward and attack because United are at home and their fans are going to want to expect that, Arsenal will just pick them off for fun. But mm. if United can get the first goal and then all of a sudden Arsenal have to push forward, that actually gives room for whoever is playing for Manchester United to run into some sort of space. Um, so it will be, I think it'll be. An interesting game. I think Arsenal will probably clean sweep it, though. I think it's going to maybe be... I think it might be 3-0. 3-1, I think... Yeah, I, I, I don't see it looking good. I, I do think it's it's always... United have always got potential to score purely because David Luiz will be playing. Yeah. So there is that always like this, that chaos element. Um, I think probably if it's going to be anything, I think it'll probably be 2-1. I reckon it might be a similar game to the Watford game for Arsenal in terms of they probably will go ahead and maybe two another ahead and then United might pull them back and it might be a bit nervy. But I think my, I'm, I'm sort of leaning towards the idea of a, um, an Arsenal win. And then that'll be a big statement for them, I think, going forward. And, and, and if they can't get the result, then it'll be the same old conversations having again, like, well, do they want the top four or not? Because this year it seems to be open for them because like I said a minute ago I think at the minute on current form and on potential in terms of like the players have signed and stuff they are looking like the team that is probably going to finish third so it's whether or not they want it and it's sort of that much really big claims big claims indeed right when we come back from the break we'll go headfirst into our terrible tens predictions and a little bit of talking points to finish us off join us after the break I'm, I'd get really quiet, but I'll tell you something. Honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Welcome back from the break. It's terrible tens times. It's been a ter- it's been terrible for the last two weeks. Two points I've got for the last two weeks. One of those weeks, I didn't even look at the teams that were in the predictions. I just guessed random score lines. And one week, I spent fifteen minutes researching. So, what what horrors have you got for us this week, Ryan? <laughs> Um, just on before we get into it, just on that, I think you need to find a happy middle ground. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe don't just do it blind, but also don't spend fifteen minutes <laughs> sitting there. Maybe just a five minute, um, five minute brief. But yeah. <laughs> but also, going back to that, off off piece again, people used to win the football pools just by picking numbers, so it might work one day. Law of averages. Yeah, exactly. Pl- play it like the lottery. Um, <laughs> yeah. So back again with. Um, the prediction game. Remember, you don't win. You just get a little better every time. Not true for me. 
Um, so this week we've got a couple of prone games. We've got a few in the championship. We've got a League Two game, of course, because Northampton Town are on it. Cobblers. Cobblers. And then a couple of Scottish games as well, which you were very happy with, Danny, when I told you about on Monday. Oh, um, <laughs> we'll start with uh, Aston Villa against Burnley. So we've got the Clarets against the Clarets. Um, so at the minute, well, we're just looking down because Tim and Tom have already put theirs in uh, as of you and obviously written mine in as well. Um, so we've got a 50-50 split in terms of how we think the game's going to go. Danny, you and Tim have gone for a one-all draw. Um, and then me and Tom have gone for home wins. Tom's gone 2 and I've gone 2-1. Any particular reason why you fancy this to be a one-all draw? Or was this just one of those arbitrary assignments of the scores? <laughs> no, I've, I've actually put a little bit of research in this week, I hope. Uh, Villa looked really good against Arsenal. And, and I reckon, had that game been at home, they might have held on for a draw. I think they maybe just got a little bit you can get pinned down by by the atmosphere at the Emirates, which is something I never thought I'd ever say. But it's like when, a misnomer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I thought they were they looked really good, and they were unfortunate not to to come out with at least something. But then, likewise, Burnley looked really good against Norwich, and I've really liked the way Norwich have played. So I've I've just gone with a, a straight up one all draw because I think both teams will score, but I don't think anything will separate them. Interesting. So I'm assuming Tim's got exactly the same thoughts. Uh, if not, then he can get in touch and send <laughs> us through the courts, as always. Um, I'm going to speak on Tom's behalf as well because he's gone. He's sided with me. I just think that Bur- Villa need a sort of like a, a, a win. They obviously they won against Everton um, back in August. Um, that was sort of seen as their big result when they came back to the uh, Premier League. Um, but then it's sort of gone a little bit a little bit flat for them in the last few weeks. So like you say, with um, the game at the Emirates, they could have easily won that, like 2-1 up, 10 men, yeah. they're playing against 10 men, but obviously they didn't manage to hold on. I do think that they'll probably have a little bit more in terms of Burnley. Like Burnley seem to be good at scoring goals at the minute in terms of even away from home, they're just nicking one or two goals. But I think Villa, if they've got any, or sort of want to have any chance of building some momentum going into the sort of like the winter period. They need to be winning the home game. So I'm going to back them. But then again, last time I backed Villa to win at home, they lost to Bournemouth. So we'll see how that goes. <clears throat> but yeah, that's, that's why I think, I just think Villa, Villa might want it more. That's probably my, it's, it's not really something you can measure um, from a statistical point of view. It's just more of a gut feeling. So that's why I, like I thought it. about that. I like it. Um, next one, Charlton Leeds. We're all in agreement here. We've all gone for a Leeds away win. Um, Tim and Tom have gone for 2-1 me and you have gone for 2-0 is that because Leeds are the best team in the championship yes plain and simple they have the best player in the championship as well and I think he'll probably get both of the goals that's what I'm going with Pablo Hernandez correct yeah there we go yeah I I just think they're a bit like Charlton have had a good start and it'll be a bit weird because obviously you've got Lee Bowyer there who is like a Leeds Mm. Um, sort of like a almost like a Leeds legend from the time when he was there when they were um, in the Champions League. That'd be a bit weird for him, I imagine. But yeah, I think they're just a little bit, a little bit too good. Charlton, like I say, they've not been. They started a season where they've lost the last couple of games. There, so they will have to be putting in a really big effort to win on Saturday. Um, and knowing our luck in this game, they probably will win now because they're all badly. <laughs> um, hey ho. Um, Moving on, staying in the championship then, we've got Crisis Club, genuine Crisis Club derby, not like this fake crisis that apparently Tottenham are going through. We've got a third of their first team players that have been arrested for drink driving. 
<laughs> that's a real crisis. <laughs> um, so, but however, no matter how big the crisis, we've all gotten to beat Birmingham at home. <laughs> <laughs> can't be that important. I, think <laughs> I that says, still hate Birmingham. I think that says more about Birmingham's ability than the yeah arrestable offences that the Derby players have gone through. To be honest, that's true. Yeah, um, I saw a couple of videos of this on Twitter as well. I mean, it's not something we should make light of, obviously, because it is no. a serious thing. But the fact that the people, whoever were in the bar or nightclub, allowed them to drive home. I mean, there's videos of them like being sick in urinals and everything like that, and it's like. Yeah. How would you even allow to let them go anywhere near a car, let alone get, not get them a taxi home? I mean, it's crazy, really. But um, exactly. yeah, very, very, very poor chapter in their uh, recent history derby. But yeah, we've got Tim's gone three one, Tom's gone three one, you've gone two one, and I've gone three nil. So, and again, I think that's more of a comment on how Birmingham play away from home. They seem to this year. They've got themselves into a pattern where they either win one nil or they get absolutely spanked. So. <laughs> So it's either going to probably go one or the other way, really. But um, yeah, so interesting to see how that one goes. Like I said, what re- um, reception the Derby team or if any of the players are there that were involved, with what they what they will have to deal with. Um, we've gone for another. We've all gone for the same result here again. Hibernian Ooh. Celtic because it's Celtic, therefore they have to win because that's yes. the rules. Um, Tim's gone a bit rogue. He's gone for four one Celtic. Um, yeah, Tom and me have gone for 2 0, and then Danny, you've gone for 1 0. So you don't fancy Celtic to walk over Hibernian then? No, I've got um, a friend at work who's a, who's a Celtic fan. So I basically just ask him every single week what he thinks the prediction will be. And I just, he doesn't rate Celtic. He just doesn't like Neil Lennon very much. He just thinks he plays a very sort of stagnant form of football. So I've gone with a 1 0 narrow win. Okay, well that makes that makes sense if you get into some insider information. So that that um that makes more sense than going for the four one or the five 0 which I usually do every week to be honest, because like I say Celtic just seem to win every game they play in the Scottish League at least by three goals. Very true. Um, yeah, so we're interested to see how that one goes. Um Huddersfield Millwall. So this is interesting again. Obviously, since I was last on, you've got quite an interesting appointment managerially with um, the Cowley brothers taking over at Huddersfield, mm. which would be interesting to see what they can get out of that squad. Um, you've gone for a two-all draw, Danny, so you're thinking goals. Yeah, I mean, I saw them play West Brom, and this is a difficult one for me because Huddersfield took the lead at West Brom twice, and West Brom won the game 4-2. Now, West Brom are really good at coming from behind. I think they've picked up the most points in the championship this season from coming from behind. But then also I feel like Huddersfield just have a defence that will leak goals in the championship, but they look quite good going forward. Lewis O'Brien's finish was was proper tasty. So I think they'll score goals, but I still don't think the Cowley brothers will be able to, at least until January maybe when they can bring in a few of their own players, won't keep it tight at the back. So I've gone for 2-2. Oh yeah, yeah, I can see the theory behind that. Like I say, they it's not really their team like you can't really have a go at them for this like at the minute they're still trying to find <laughs> the best starting 11 like they're trying to find like who works and stuff so i can see the theory behind that um tom's gone for nil nil so he thinks he's going to be quite boring um mm. tim's gone for a one nil millwall win which um Ooh. again not sort of overly surprising considering what huddersfield starts the season looks like i've personally gone for a one nil huddersfield win purely because i think this is one of those ideal games where they can just get a win under their belts um, yeah. in terms of like Millwall. Like I said, they are a solid team. They were a pretty good championship team, actually. I, I quite like the fact that Millwall 
a sort of a bit of an anomaly because they're one of the only teams that play this sort of like up and out um um sort of like quite direct football um but the problem here is the fact that they just don't seem to like playing away from home yeah um which is ironic because no one likes playing at Millwall so it sort of works all the way around <laughs> um, so yeah I think that maybe Huddersfield this is like this has got for me scrappy one nil just get your rain managerial rain off to a start in a decent way result on for me anyway that's what I'm thinking so that's my thinking behind that um I see you see you yeah so yeah like I say that's um that's probably what why I've gone for that so we'll um we'll see how that goes but yeah like I say I'm interested to see how that project goes long term um we've got whole Cardiff next so again another team that plays up and out um um direct football in Cardiff um so we've got Tim gone for a one all draw Tom's gone 3-1 Cardiff Danny you've gone for a one nil whole win so Ooh. any particular player or uh, certain group of players taking your fancy in this one I, I really like Jared Bowen I think he's a really good player and then Camel Grisicki on the opposite wing I, I just I like them as wingers and I don't think Cardiff are as good as as they should be this season. I've, I've watched them a few times and they just haven't looked like the Cardiff that got promoted to the Premier League. They look more like sort of, I, I think it, I don't know with um, Warnock, I don't know, we can maybe have a quick chat. As Warnock obviously saying this is his last season. I don't know if that's affected the way Cardiff play because they just don't look as, I don't want to question the, the sort of determination, but I, they just don't look as robust as they did last season. I know obviously they got relegated, but they looked that they were always going to be up for a fight. And sometimes this season, they've just sort of fallen away at the wayside. And I think that will happen again against Hull. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I think also it doesn't help them from their point of view in terms of they've come from a league where they're basically just expected to get an absolute shoe in every week. Mm. And then they're now the big boys. I think that that does play a part in it. I mean, the year Cardiff went up, like obviously we're talking two seasons ago now. They weren't expected to do anything that season. And they yeah. found themselves in a good position come Christmas. And then they just carried on the momentum and then managed to get into second place and, and sort of do do well over over the last few weeks of the season and get up there. So, like I say, in terms of um, actually coming down now with a reputation, it might be doing them a bit of a disservice because they're expected to dominate games. But that's not their style. Like you say, that's not what they're yeah. about. They're a sort of like a fairly direct team. They, they go get most of their goals from set pieces and stuff they have got flair players as with anyone but they are a quite a functional side so yeah mm. to expect people to come down and be winning 3-4-0 every game I think that is probably unrealistic from their fans point of view not that their fans are expecting that but yeah I think maybe the the Warnock thing as with anything like he's basically working his notice period now isn't he yeah. like, so yeah that's obviously going to have an effect so um, I've personally gone for a one all draw. I think Hull, like I say, Hull, the fact that Bowen and Grzycki are still um, are still playing in the championship themselves is quite staggering, really. Yeah. Because they they probably deserve to be at a higher level, but should be an interesting one. Um, next game, Middlesbrough, Sheffield Wednesday. This is the closest we've ever come to nearly predicting the same score four times. Really? So, <laughs> me, you, and Tom have all gone for a one all draw, and Tim's gone for a one nil Middlesbrough win. So fuck you, Tim. Damn it, Tim. <laughs> There's no need for that, is there? Yeah, so um, obviously this game is, again, talking about Huddersfield earlier, Sheffield Wednesday have got a new manager with Gary Monk as well, who's been appointed since I was last here. That'll be interesting because I think that Middlesbrough are still very much a work in progress under Jonathan Woodgate. They're trying to go about playing football the right way in his eyes. But I think Gary Monk is a very clever manager at this level, so I think they've definitely got enough to get a point in 
this game. I'm assuming that is a similar thought that you shared because that's why you've gone for the same score as me. We'll add no more words to that. You've done it perfectly. Yeah, so yeah, I think that should be a, quite a, uh, an interesting game. Like I say, you've got a team trying to shake off the Tony Pulis tag and then another team maybe trying to um, settle down after the Steve Bruce thing. So yeah, it'd be very interesting. The local concern next, so we've got Morecambe against Northampton. We've gone for three away wins between the four of us. So Danny, you've gone 1-0, Tom's gone 2-0, Tim's gone 2-1. I've gone for a 0-0 draw because I feel like this is a classic game of attrition. But um, <laughs> why do you think the Cobblers are going to win? Uh, simply put, no football based in it. Uh, week one, I said you've got to back the Cobblers. I back them every week, but one week, and the one week that I didn't back them, they won. So I'm going to back them for the rest of the games in the season. So 1-0 to the Cobblers. Excellent. So if you're going to back them for the rest of the season, that means they're going to get relegated with about eight points then, because they're not going to win again <laughs> for the rest of the year. <laughs> but yeah. What have um, you gone for? What's that, sorry? What have you gone for? I've just gone for a 0-0 draw. I think it's okay. going to be quite, yeah, quite low, low level, terrible game. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cobblers at the minute they're going through a bit of a bit of a weird phase. They 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 put a really good performance or put some really good performances in. Tune up the other day against Crawley and then they just managed to piss it away. So I think probably a draw will get them back and sort of get their feet back on the ground rather than sort of. Um, getting a bit too carried away. They seem to do that. They, they go ahead in games, they get carried away, and then they fuck it up. So I think a nil-nil draw might calm them all down a bit. <laughs> um, next one then, Sheffield United-Liverpool. So this is the early game on the Saturday. We've got near enough a clean sweep. So Danny, you've gone 3-0. Tom's gone 3-0. Tim's gone 3-1. And then uh, we'll get on to my one in a minute. So Danny, your thoughts? Uh, I, do, I think Liverpool are just too good. I love the way that Sheffield United play. But from hearing what Chris Wilder has been saying over the week, I think he said he's probably going to have to change things. And I think that will probably just hinder them a little bit. I think he's just going to put more men behind the ball probably to try and hope that he can just soak up pressure and hit Liverpool on the counter. And I just don't think it's going to work. So, yeah, three goals, no reply. Interesting. Um, The reason why I left mine out is because I'm the only one that doesn't think Liverpool are going to win. Because you're a mentalist. Exactly, yeah. I've gone basically because, and I've been suckered in here by Chris Wilder, and I'll tell you <laughs> why. So I've gone for a one all draw. Okay. Um, because he said something which I don't think I've ever heard any manager say before, which was um, basically he was coming out the other day in the press conference and said that um, Liverpool are going to have to work for their win in the game against Sheffield United, which is not too remarkable. But then he added, but if we do lose, then they'll have to step over our dead bodies. Fucking hell! So I'm assuming that he's getting them to all take the pitch with cyanide pills. Um, <laughs> as, soon as, the, as soon as the final whistle goes, if it's not, then it's game over for all 11 players. Um, but yeah, it was it was something along those lines. It was like, oh, um, if we lose, then fair enough. But I want us to basically put a load of effort in. I don't want us to just roll over. And I like that, considering, like I say, everyone could probably excuse if Sheffield United were to not roll over, but if they were to get beat, there's no shame in that. No. But the fact he's come out and said this, I thought was quite cute. So I'm going to back him. I'm going to say, yeah, actually, I think they might do something because otherwise they're under threat of death. <laughs> So it could be that could be an issue. Um, that could be a motivator, um, a bit like Dave Artel and the Idi Amin stuff from the other week. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> good old Dave. Yeah. Remember, eighty percent of sitcom is callback. Remember that. 
Um, last game then to round it off the big game St Johnston against Motherwell so Danny you've gone for a 4-0 away win why? I think Motherwell are, are challenging for I, I say challenging for the title they're there or thereabouts um, they're third yeah. is, that, is that what you mean? well the thing is I couldn't say challenging for the title because I feel like even if you're second in the in the Scottish League you still technically aren't challenging for the title unless you're like minimum one point behind Celtic so, uh, yeah, they're up. Which they're up there. Celtic have four games in hand. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I think St. Johnson are bottom, though. So I've been going for an absolute grubbing. I've got fucking no clue. I'll just put 2 0 St. Johnston. Yeah, but then again, you laugh, but Tim and Tom have also gone for home wins. I've got 1 0 one each. So that's You're... an interesting point. No, I'm not, I'm not having this. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that St. Johnson are like rock bottom of this table. I'm Googling rock bottom, three points, minus 12 goal difference. Motherwell... That'll be minus 10 goal difference by 5 o'clock on Saturday when they win 2 0. <laughs> and six points. Uh, okay. All right. I concede. No, uh, I, I genuinely have no idea. I just literally got to the end of the list and I thought, all right, okay, I'll just put a, a home win. Um, yeah, cool. really not my strong point there. Oh, I'm looking forward to uh, to hopefully getting more than two points this week because Tom has now overtaken me into the lead. I think you've overtaken me now into into second. Oh, we're, we're joint. We're joint um, second at the minute. So yeah, so is Tim Not into quite. double figures yet? Yeah, Tim's on twenty four. Um, um, twenty four game weeks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 not great for him at the minute. Um, but yeah, yeah, at the minute it is getting quite close. Like I say, Tom's on 36, me and you on 32, Tim languishing on 24. But as we've found the last few weeks, all it takes is one good week to get us back in there. So I, which is quite, this is quite embarrassing as well. So you, Tom and Tim all got eight points combined, all three of you. I got seven on my own last week. <laughs> Very nice. Very so nice. Very that's nice. not a good, that's not a good comment on um on sort of like everyone's form at the minute. And Tim, as he pointed out in the group chat the other day, if it wasn't for the Madison goal in the Leicester game, he would have gotten no points at all. <laughs> and that would have been a first. I don't think anyone's got a blank slate yet. So that's good. As long as we carry that on, I don't mind. As long as no one gets nil, I really don't want someone to get a naught over the week, yeah, any of the weeks. But yeah, be interesting to see how we um, are on Sunday morning when I send you a another picture of the, of the pad. Uh, you've jinxed it now someone's gonna get a clean slate uh if you think you can beat us you can still join in it's not too late game time podcast one. Well. it's not it's not a, it's not if you think you can we de- you definitely can oh yeah. it's not 100 oh, yeah it's not up in the way just to put into perspective luca who who's entered so far has played one week and he's only nine points behind tim so that is shambolic <laughs> you, you, you're in with a shout game time podcast one at gmail.com or go to our twitter game time underscore pod and comment below the picture we'll put the um, new predictions up every monday slash sunday so do look out for that right it's nearing the end of the pod talking points as always finishes us off uh, i hope you don't mind me kicking things off because i've got some absolute doozies absolutely not crack on mate all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Richard Keys because his Twitter is just plentiful of just 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 shit stuff. So he tweeted uh, earlier today. He said, um, "Enough, please, build the stadiums offshore. Come on, Laura Woods, where were you last in Qatar?" 
this is nonsense. Talksport, not likely my favourite radio station. So uh, he's clearly got annoyed at something that Laura Woods has said about uh, building stadiums offshore. Wasn't even her. She didn't say it. it was someone else. <laughs> so just to, just to catch up because I, I try and avoid. First of all, I try and avoid talk sport, talk sport like the plague, and secondly, I try and avoid Richard Keys like the plague as well. So, <laughs> so he's accusing someone else of basically chatting shit about Qatar. Am I yes. right? Yes. Okay, because he lives there now because he was sexist and had to move there. He doesn't yes. actually like living there, does he? Because he he got he basically fucked up in his sky job and he's been in exile like Bob <laughs> Revy was in the seventies. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much bang nail on the head there. Um, okay, so why the fuck is he getting so defensive about a place he doesn't even like? <laughs> because he's the weirdest human being that's ever lived. And the top one of the top comments was, Richard, Qatar's not going to shag you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is my favourite. When people put that, that's one of my favourite things. It doesn't <laughs> even have to be anything serious, but it's just like... Come on, she's not going to shag you, mate. <laughs> any 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 attempt at chivalry is all automatically greeted by that. It is. It's, Richard Key tries to stay relevant with his Twitter. If you get a chance to go through his Twitter, just just it's just a load of bollocks, basically. <laughs> and and that was another tweet in the uh, the bollocks Twitter timeline of Richard Keys. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to go at. I don't know if you've seen this. Barcelona have been fined an absolutely mammoth three hundred euros for tapping up Antoine Griezmann. I'm assuming that's like based on just a completely random figure from the, that's probably a rule from like the 1740s in Spain that they've just plucked <laughs> out and probably when that was a, actually a lot of money. <laughs> I just I just can imagine like Barcelona or the the Spanish FA going okay uh, Barcelona that we we're, we're going to have to find you and Barcelona going okay all right how much is it getting a checkbook out and then just going 300 euros and then just putting the checkbook back in getting out yeah. like a chain change jar and just going oh one two three four five six seven eight nine two there you go pennies <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it, 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 yeah it's i i uh, fucking spanish football it really i don't understand it <laughs> you could afford to tap up antoine griezmann and then still have enough money to go out for dinner with him <laughs> that's nice I like that so uh, tapping them up and then a bit of tapas <laughs> exactly tap them up go for a tapas easy breezy um, well this is basically a bit of a it's sort of football related well it's video game related because obviously um, it's today is the day as we record on Friday the 27th uh, of the new FIFA game coming out which is a sort of one of those classic days in the year where people become dickheads on social media <laughs> So <laughs> you've got the certain subsections of people, for example, who will go to the brand uh, of shop or whatever branch of shop where they get it, and then they will um, get the copy of FIFA and then put it in a seatbelt in the car and drive home with it and take a picture. <laughs> or you've got those people that have clearly never been in a relationship before, all of a sudden putting pictures on social media from their, apparently with a note from their girlfriend in brackets, um, saying, oh, <laughs> Thought I'd, you'd have a really lovely night. I bought you FIFA and I got you a load of beers. Have a lovely night. Kiss, which is bollocks <laughs> because they're living on their own in a flat. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I just thought it was it's just shout out to um, shout out to all those people that are inventing things on Facebook and Twitter just for about seven likes from their friends on um, <laughs> Friday night. 
Um, also, another thing I wanted to make sure about mentioned about FIFA. I played it the other day. I've got like the the early access thing, the um, the trial you can get on EA Access, and um, there's this glitch going doing the rounds at the minute, apparently on career mode, where no matter what game it is, the computer just plays the reserves for all of the teams. <laughs> and um, so I was playing the other day. I'd started one as Tottenham, and um, I was playing against Man City because obviously they have the real fixtures. So it was like second game in. And it was like, I thought, oh, big game, right? I've got to really be concentrating for this. I looked at the team sheet and Scott Carson was in goal. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was like um, a, a midfielder with like number 67 on his back. So I'm like, okay, this is, this is something wrong here. And then I looked on the stats and like Edison's not made an appearance yet this season. <laughs> <laughs> sitting on the bench while Scott Carson's pulling out worldies every week. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what that tells you? Uh, whoever whoever designed the uh, the career mode must have been looking at Manchester United and thinking, "Fuck, they play a lot of their reserves. That must be how every other team in the league plays." <laughs> they've just they've just generalised the other nineteen teams and gone, "Oh well, if Man United doing it and they're really good, so <laughs> we all do it." Okay. <laughs> Scott Carson must be absolutely bloody delighted. No, I bet he's pissed off. You think about it; he's gone there for an easy wage, hasn't he? He's not gone there to play. Let's be honest. <laughs> It's like um, with uh, Andy Lonigan, you know, the uh, Liverpool sort yeah. of goal coach person. And obviously when they had their injury crisis the other day, of a week with Alisson and Adrian, like, falling over. And there was a talk of maybe Lonigan either being on the bench or playing one game. And it's like, he must be shitting a brick because he's not there <laughs> for that. He's there for just, like, the 30 grand a week. He'll do a bit of coaching and then he'll go home. He doesn't <laughs> want to be playing football. It's the night before. How's your day at work, love? I might need to play. Just like sweating. Where are the shin pads? Where are the gloves? I don't even know where they are anymore. But you like playing football. He goes, yeah, not for Liverpool. <laughs> I was happy at Preston. Yeah. What did I there? <laughs> yeah, no, I just thought I'd bring that to people's attention. So I should be giving career mode a wide berth until they sort that fucking thing out. <laughs> oh, that is a... Uh... That is fantastic. One thing that I, that I wanted to mention before we uh, before we wrap up: twenty eight minutes of added time. I have never never seen that much added time in a game. But that's what happened in the Carabao Cup between Bournemouth and Burton. Burton won it two nil. Just it was just wonderful to see on TV. It just said like ninetieth minute plus twenty eight, and I was like, hang on a minute, that's not right. <laughs> Yeah, the best thing is I saw it on um, obviously Burton and Bournemouth both both tweeted about it and they both sort of made light of it to some extent because it's so unusual. And then I remember seeing Bournemouth tweet and it was like, oh, we're going to have 28. And then in brackets, yes, 28 minutes of time. <laughs> and then at the bottom, they tagged the Carabao Cup and put, surely this is a record for this competition. It's like, that's something that does not need to be fact-checked. You know full <laughs> that no team, unless it's gone into extra time, has ever played 118 minutes of normal football. That is not something that you need to run past the administrators. <laughs> it's like, please, sir, can you check yeah. this? Like, can you check this? Yeah, it's not like, oh, when was the last, who was the last Bournemouth player to do score three goals in um, three consecutive games? That's something for the stats, stats people to check. Not, has there ever been a game where they've had half an hour of added time? <laughs> Oh, it is. Um, apparently, it was a power cut. That was why. Uh, that's what did it. But yeah, yeah. doesn't matter. Bournemouth throughout the cup, they'll have the yeah. history of being in the uh, in the game with the longest amount of added time. But that's there was it. Joe, 
there was a joke going around on Twitter as well that um, the reason why the power kept cutting out is because Bournemouth insisted on the scoreboard to be known as AFC Bournemouth rather than just... <laughs> and it was shorting the power out in Burton. <laughs> Can't we just put AFCB? No. That's the point. <laughs> Respect the name. <laughs> oh, I'm sure Tom can, uh, can fill us in on that one when he's back next week. I think that's going to about round it up for us this week, Ryan. Very nice one, mate. Good Thank to speak you. to you, as always. Yeah, good to speak to you too. Uh, we'll be back next week with more things. Not 28 minutes of added time, I can't imagine. That probably won't happen this weekend, but we'll be back with things. Uh, remember, you can get in touch. GameTime underscore pod on Twitter. GameTimePodcast1 at gmail.com. Send us anything you want. We don't mind. We'll, uh, we'll include it. And uh, good luck if you do take part in the Terrible Tens predictions. But until next week, sayonara. I mean goodbye or hello. I think it's goodbye. That's that's purely on my knowledge of watching Takeshi's Castle. <laughs> and then Craig Charles saying it at the end. <laughs>